Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios in Boston, Massachusetts, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I am not joined by any of my co-hosts. Um, one is on baby duty, and the other one is abroad in the United Kingdom right now and is asleep. So I am holding down the fort all by myself this week, but that's okay because I have a really cool, awesome guest um, who I want to welcome to the show. I met this fine gentleman at TPE earlier this year, and I was like, I got to have you on the show. Um, his name is Mike <laughs> G., or if you if you might know him as Hollywood Mike G on Instagram, uh, you may have seen him in some Hollywood hits, but you've also maybe or maybe not heard of his cigars. Uh, yes. Mike G Sticks. Mike, welcome yeah. to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. This is going to be fun. We're going to hang out, have a cigar. You know, this is what it's all about. Just putting some smoke up in the air. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, you know, before we get too deep into the show and we get too deep into our evening, uh, I assume you're smoking one of your cigars. So tell us what you are smoking tonight. <laughs> Actually, I got one of my cigars for the second half of the show, Mike G Super Connecticut, which is available right now um, online, uh, MikeGCigars.com. Uh, but I have new ones coming up. This is uh, my Super Maduro that Ooh. I'm testing right now. We're still messing with the blends. Hopefully by, I want to say, late, late summer or September. They'll be released this, and I have a Habano coming out, too. So. Oh, nice. Interesting. Tonight, so I'm sitting I am... with them, still making notes with the master blenders and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all part of the process, you know, and you don't want to rush that yeah. process. And I've never blended a cigar. I've done some some light tobacco tasting in my day, uh, but nothing compared to what, what you guys do. Um, but I know I know how much work and time goes into it. So. Oh, uh, man. I, I mean, I, I, I can't appreciate even, that. I... <laughs> Yeah, I can't even take the credit because the, the master blenders down there, I mean, they're the ones that, you know, I can give notes and, you know, because you start talking about the pH level of the soil and the different <laughs> parts yeah. of the plant and and uh, the water and, and you're going to lose me. So, like, I can give them tasting notes and, you know, I just want to say uh, the guys over at uh, Victor Calvo Cigars, their, their blender down there, he's just... Uh, He's phenomenal. He, the, I'll give a little bit of notes. He send me some sticks back, taste them, send them back and forth. And uh, yeah, he, he just does a wonderful job. He knows exactly. That's what it took about a year, year and a half just to get the uh, Super Connecticut up to where I want it now. And, uh, you know, they just did such a great job with that. So I just really want to take my time with the other two sticks and have them, uh, you know, as received well as I did the Super Connecticut. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. Uh, tonight, I am smoking the All Saints... St. Francis Robusto, Smoker Tobacco's 2021 second place cigar of the year. Um, you can find the cigar at twoguyscigars.com for $9.70 per cigar, or you can buy a box for $193.99 for a box of 20. That's at the number it's not bad. twoguyscigars.com. Yeah. No, it's not, and it's a great deal. And really it's good. A, it's a great cigar, and these are made at um, Tabacusa Factory. And, uh, you know, Mickey is an awesome dude, too, so that, that helps, too. I just I love Mickey to death. Yeah. Cigars are fantastic. Um, number two this year. That's, I know. A great, that's a great price point, man. Oh, you know, it you is. can't go wrong with that, you know? It's a great price for such a quality cigar, too. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing, amazing cigar. Um, so 
<laughs> Let's talk about you, Mike. It's enough about Mickey. He's he's not here tonight. So we'll, 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 and, and he he likes to talk, but it's not his yeah. time. It's your time. It's your time to chat. So, um, Mike. So tell me. So where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I'm originally from. I was born in Portland, raised in uh, Salem, Oregon. And uh, if you've seen uh, Napoleon Dynamite, that's basically my childhood. That. That just town. growing up, uh, <laughs> that time, that people, that atmosphere, uh, the way people looked. Yes, that was, uh, yeah, all you all the way going down to the Ag Festival and uh, milking cows and stuff for fun. That's that movie touched. I mean, I remember seeing that in the theater and people laughing. I'm like, that's Oregon. Okay, that's my life. <laughs> Did you have a sledgehammer too? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and ninja stars. And <laughs> Did you ever take it off any sweet jumps? <laughs> <laughs> he did the jumps. He did the... Even the part where he uh, he ties a little action figure and he throws it out the bus window and drags it. I think he used to do that with Hot Wheels off the bus. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty spot on. <laughs> we love that movie here too. Like we're in the house, like we all like we all laugh about it. It's it's, it's a favorite. Documentary for me though. <laughs> me and Nicole's brother just watched it recently. It's, it's all yeah, fresh yeah. in the mind. Oh man, um, so that, that's interesting. So, uh, you know, growing growing up in a town like that, um, did you? I know that previously you were in. Um, oh man, I know. Why am I fogging on it? Uh, you were in, in corrections, right? Uh, no, actually, it's funny. I I did uh, right after high school. Um, I was in I was in uh, worked with us kids with special needs. I was okay. a behavioral communication specialist, so primarily, uh, you know, kids with autism, early intervention. I did that for about six years. Uh, almost became a teacher. I was uh, about a year and a half from beginning my own classroom. So. And then I just got the bug to come down to L.A. So <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. Then I don't know if I read. I, maybe I'm getting. Well, I, I do else. a lot of security work. So, I mean, when I moved down here, I, I came down here in like 2003 on Cinco de Mayo. So like all the Mexicans celebrated when I showed up and uh, just for you, they, just for me. man. <laughs> and and uh, I started off doing like club promotions, uh, security work, stuff like that. Oh, OK. And uh, yeah. And so, so that, that you, was, that was when I was coming out here, just trying to make a living. Yeah. So you were, you were working with kids, you were working towards becoming a teacher. And then all of a sudden you're like, I gotta go to LA. I gotta be an actor. What was it? That well, the, fun the, uh, the, the funny thing was, you know, I had gotten a job because I wanted to go to school to be a film editor. I, in high okay. school, I, I used to do before YouTube, I was doing pranks. I was doing videos, like all the stuff you see on TikTok. We, we were doing it on a high school level on the morning announcements. They gave us like these big ass, like super VHS camcorders and we'd mm. run out and do all these sketch, you know, skits and stuff. And I won a bunch of awards and I was like, you know, what? I want to get into editing. I want to eventually start directing. So, you know, reality hits is like, well, you don't got the money. Um, let's just get a job. My mom hooked me up with a job with the school district. And I, I love working with kids, but there comes a certain time that it's like, you know, there's not a lot of money in education, sadly, and there's just a lot of yeah. the politics, a lot of the politics, how they treat the little kids is just really sad. And it's just, you know, I didn't want to uh, be that frustrated with with how things were going. So that and, you know, we only have one life. So I figured, you know, I, I wanted to come down and, and pursue something before I'm like, you know, 65 years old, sitting on the porch drinking whiskey with a bunch of regrets. 
Right. So <laughs> I came down here when I was about 23, and um, I, I, was, I signed up for, I was waiting for the first term to start for film school, and uh, I signed up to do background just to see what a movie set was like. And I didn't realize you were supposed to call the hotline, like a radio station, every single morning to try to book yourself to be one of like the hundreds of people in the background. And I sort of forgot about it. So like a couple months went by and I got a phone call that they wanted me to for the show with, on called Dragnet with uh, Ed O'Neill with Al oh, Bundy okay. and uh, Rosalind Sanchez. So they call me, I show up, they give me a trailer. You know, I get to meet the, both of them. I'm like, hey, this is really cool. Background, no thinking that's how background was, but it wasn't. They had me at a featured spot was my first job. And uh, from there, they would picture select me. They kept calling me central casting would call me in. So I did that for maybe about three months until uh, one day after after one of these jobs, I went to uh, with a buddy of mine to go watch the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And they actually uh, when we we're in line, the producers came up and said, hey, have you ever done anything stupid or funny or whatever? And I told them the story that when I when I first came down there, a movie said I was looking for a bathroom. And I couldn't find anything. So I turned the corner. I saw a toilet, went in the restroom, took a piss. And I realized, I looked up, there's a false ceiling. There, I was pissing in a movie set, not the real bathroom. And they thought, they thought oh, that shit. was funny. Yeah, so that's a true story. But by the fourth or fifth time that they kept bringing producers over to, for me to retell the story, and I started thinking, oh, shit, they might pick me to be on the show to tell the story. Uh, the story eventually got turned into me taking a shit on the toilet and people walking in and using the prop toilet paper and the toilet wouldn't flush and, you know, just embellishing the whole story. <laughs> oh, so Jesus. by the time we went into the show, they had the uh, uh, Leno would come up front to warm up the audience. And back then they wouldn't let you bring any, any pictures or anything. They said, if you want a picture, just raise your hand. And if he happens to call on you, you can ask him for a photo and somebody will come with a Polaroid. So I, I did this, uh, just that. I sat in the front row, and I'm just mad-dogging him until he finally looked at me awkwardly, and then I smiled at him and said, hey, can I get a picture with you? So he said, yeah, come on up. And he talked to me, and he goes, hey, so what are you doing out here? I told him, you know, I'm trying to do the whole acting thing, been doing some background, and he goes, uh, so what have you played? And I'm a well, rapist, drug dealer, uh, uh, a, a dead trollo. Uh, <laughs> and he thought it was pretty funny, so they, uh, I got my picture, and at the end of the show, the producers came up and said, hey, can you hang back? And they had me and about seven, seven or eight other people just hang back. So they were going through the cue cards and Leno stopped and he saw my name. He goes, is that guy? Is it that guy? And I saw him mouth it. He goes, I want him. So producers came over to me and asked if I could come back next week. So I went and told my story uh, live on Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And then after that, the writers called me in for a couple more sketches because they knew I was trying to be an actor. And that's how I got my agent. And that's how I sort of booked in jobs. And, you know, rest is sort of history. So <laughs> wow. if it wasn't for Leno and uh, the producers of a show, that's that's who really gave me the shot, you know. Jay Leno actually is from our neck of the woods. I actually grew mm. up a town away from where he's from. He grew up in, uh, I want to say it was Andover, Massachusetts. I grew up the next yeah. town over. Um, so he's, he's a local hero. I always loved, I always loved Jay Leno growing up, he's too. Um, he's a great guy. He was really nice. The, the the few times I got to meet him and sit down and talk with him, he was really great. So, yeah, real I humble, mean, hilarious guy too. I, I, I honestly yeah. half the fun was just watching the opening, uh, the opening the sketch where he tells his jokes, whatever it is. That was half the fun. Yeah. Oh, that and the um, what's the thing he used to do with the newspaper? 
when he'd find like the funny oh the headlines yeah. headlines or uh, yeah. something headlines yeah 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 <laughs> I used to love that I watched that show all the time when he when he left I was like oh man I mean Jimmy Fallon's cool I mean Jay Leno was <sighs> yeah, awesome yeah but yeah he's <laughs> <a> legend <laughs> yeah I mean but no I mean you had a fun rise the into your acting career too that that's that's just yeah. it's kind of funny and and about the same time uh, when I came down in two thousand three. Um, that day that I got here, arrived my cousins. Um, they introduced me to cigars, so they. Uh, I look back now and I laugh because uh, they were really weren't tri- that welcoming. Mm-hmm. They gave me what you know. They had a bunch of Cubans or so-called Cubans. I know now they were most of them were fake, but <laughs> <laughs> they usually they, are. <laughs> I think the cheap the cheapest stick they had in there was a Padron six thousand, a Maduro. And I was like, you know, I look back now, I'm like that's a pretty harsh cigar for like a first time smoker. But that's that was my first stick, and uh, even you know, coincidentally, that's still my you know, one of my Padron's my favorite cigars. Uh, so <laughs> they make a great cigar; they really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, but so so that also around the same time you got into cigars too. So from there, yeah. became a regular cigar smoker, got more into it, um, and then you do the you thing know, where you go to the lounges, you get to meet everybody, and then yeah. Um, I had I had one of the guys who owned the lounge had me work there, so I worked there for a couple of years. Okay. And um, around that time is when my agent said, "You know, you got to have social media." And I was like, "That's for ten-year-old uh, girls and thirteen-year-old girls doing, t- you know, dance videos. I'm, what do I need with that?" But apparently, in the movie industry, they need to have you somewhat marketability, especially for like independent or like smaller budget films. Mm-hmm. They want to see that you have some sort of a following. So I met with a social media lady. She's like, you, you got to have a brand. You got to do this. You got to do that. Blah, blah, half the stuff I still don't even do. But that's when I cleared out my Instagram page and I just stuck to the two things it was just cigars and acting stuff. So if I'm, you know, if I'm movie set or doing something acting related or something cigar related, that's the only thing that's posted. And that's when I noticed that I went from like, you know, a hundred people, 200 followers to like, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 10,000, just kept growing. So right now, you know, and until recently, you know, they canceled my page because of uh, meme Mondays that I do every Monday. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the social so media cops me, are at it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't go into I just barely got Instagram live feature back on my account. But yeah, I, I'm pretty much like, what do they call it? Shadow band or whatever. They, I, they don't re- recommend me to anybody. It's just my account is like pretty much just flat right now. <laughs> so in terms of your acting, what um, what have people might have seen you in that they may be like, oh, shit. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, Probably the most recognizable one would probably be a movie called Crank with Jason Statham. Oh, okay. that, uh, he beats me up and throws my hand in a sewing machine, which is pretty memorable. I'm screaming blood curdling cries as my hand gets caught and they're all bleeding out. <laughs> now tell me about and the movie magic did. behind that though. Hold on a second. I, I, now, now I gotta know. So how does that work? Okay. You get like a fake hand you stick in there. Like how does that work? Well, it, it, I mean, it healed up pretty good for six grand, you know, it, no. Oh, um, they actually found me. All right. No, they actually, it, it's cool. Cause I got to go to one of the, the special effects studios where they did like uh iRobot and like a bunch of stuff for Discovery Channel and like they had all the movie props in there and I walked in there and they grabbed this giant tube and um, uh, I stuck my arm in the tube and then they like filled it up with this uh, silicone stuff 
-hmm. and I had to sit there like leaning over my chair while, you know, my arms in the tube. And once it dried, they pulled my arm out and they had a mold of just my arm. So they took my hand and they actually like, they painted it to match my skin tone. Um, they put actual like nails in it and then they stuck a wire, like a wire hand in there. So they had, somebody had a lever that they would pull the, pull the lever and the hand would, would jiggle out like this. No way. So, so during, so when they had me all decked out my suit, they bought another suit would cut the arm off, cut the shirt off. So they had the exact hand. So I had to hold my hand, like my arm like this under my arm. So, but the camera angle is shooting down. So you only see from this side. So it looks like my hand is in there, but you don't see me actually holding the full arm inside the machine, holding, pushing it in the machine. Ah. And then they pumped it full of blood. And when the machine went through, it's just, (laughs) it's just pumping blood out of it and the hands twitching and look pretty good. It's pretty realistic. No way. (laughs) All right. I don't think I saw that, but now I'm going to go watch it. I know how that Yeah. (laughs) And uh, back then, yeah, because when I got started, um, I, you know, I go to auditions and, you know, I treat it like any business uh, transaction. It's like, what more, what more value can I bring to other actors? So mm-hmm. I noticed that they had a problem casting uh, Latino gangsters. Uh, I'd be on set and like, <laughs> no joke, um, we're doing this, like this East LA scene and everybody's decked out like 1970s style cholos, like Edward James almost with a hairnet and a buttoned up top shirt and which nobody really dresses like that anymore. The trolls were like, you know, shaved heads and baggy white t-shirts, but you know, TV was still portraying them from the seventies. So I see these two cats and they take their sunglasses off and they're two Asian dudes. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're telling me that you can't, you can't find enough Latinos around every street corner here in Southern California. So that's where I found a need for that. And, uh, I teamed up with one of my buddies, uh, a good friend of mine that's passed since his name was Daniel Venegas. And, uh, he used to be part of 18th street gang and he did like seven years in prison. And when he came out, he sort of wanted to turn his life around and did a lot of acting. So when I teamed up with him, I would grab the guys from the street. So when I go to auditions, I had like, like these photo books with all these gangster guys. So I was like, look, if you hire me for the speaking part, I got background guys. I got cars. I got dogs. I got roosters. Uh, you guys need music. I got musicians with music. You need clothing lines. We've got clothing lines. You need locations. I got bars, I got barbershops, I got houses. So I turned it into almost like a casting company before I knew what casting really was back then. So I do my audition and then I'd be like, hey, by the way, I noticed the script said you're looking for such and such. And I pull out my little photo books and show the producers and the casting directors what I had. And they would nice. they started calling me in and that's how I got a lot of my work doing that, you know. And and crank, a lot of those guys are the guys that actually brought to set and cast it. I also did another movie called Domino with Kira Knightley and Mickey Rourke that uh, the late Tony Scott directed. Same thing. We brought all the, all those guys were actually from 18th street from that area, from that neighborhood that we filmed in just so we could avoid any tensions or problems with the gangsters in that area. And the sad thing is I think I'm the only one that's still alive and out of prison right now. Everybody else is either locked up or passed away from that one. Scene. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> yeah. <survivor>. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I used to cast real guys, though. You know, no fake, no, no fake dudes. We had just we had the real stuff. I went and used to go to car shows and cruisings and sign people up and put them in movies and stuff. So I got a reputation back then that you know that's the guy that would put you in movies. You know, nothing. I always told him was like, look, you're not going to be famous, but if you want to be on a set and make a couple hundred bucks, I can do that. So you know, I, we, it was pretty good. We had a good run for that. I started slowing down like around two thousand. 
10 when the new bad guys were uh, Arabs. They wanted people to speak Farsi. So the Latinos were no longer the it Hollywood bad guys. They wanted the terrorists. <laughs> you guys are old old news. You guys are old. Yeah, stories. we're old news. We're nah, old news. I don't want so. that anymore. <laughs> Get rid of them. Well, it was one time during the pandemic uh, when everyone was still home. Um, you know, everyone was doing a lot of lives and Zooms and video meetups. And um, Christian Aroa, Aroa yep. Cigars, um, invited me on to a, a Zoom thing. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure. And I, I went on there. It was him and his staff and a couple other people. And we were all just hanging out. And we were on there for like an hour or so. And then all of a sudden, someone comes in. He doesn't say anything. And I see, like, and there was probably like like 10. You know how the Zooms get when there's a bunch yeah. of people. They get smaller yeah. and smaller. So I'm like sitting there. I'm like, how the fuck do I know that guy? He looks so familiar. And then all of a sudden, Christian's like, hey, Emilio, how you doing? What's going on, brother? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, shit, that's Emilio Rivera. (laughs) No fucking way. I'm like, I love that dude. I watched Sons of Anarchy. And I was like, dude, I know that dude. He's awesome. (laughs) So, I mean, talking about, like, Latino gangsters, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, So this is not the first time that I've, you know, been on video. (laughs) Him and Trejo, man, they're the uh, benchmark. Him, Trejo, and probably Noel Guglimi or, yeah, Noel. Those three are the three that really are encompass everything. They're the three like benchmarks of Hollywood gangsters. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, not, very, there's not many of us. There's about like maybe 25 or 30 of us that Hollywood <laughs> actually uses, but yeah, <laughs> there's still benchmarks. <laughs> Do you have the list of like the, the handful of guys? All right. Yeah. We'll just give them all a call. We're, we're looking for someone. One of them will be available. Uh, that's how it is, man. You go to these auditions, you see the same like 15, 20 people. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey. <laughs> Cause I'll get either. It's either the Cholo guys, the same group of guys, or they want big dudes. And then I roll in there. Hey, what's up? The other big dudes. So, <laughs> so there's definitely like a typecast or like a, like a stereotype, uh, which yeah. I can imagine with, with Hollywood too. I mean, it's kind of hard not to, cause you, when you're trying to put a movie together or a show, or you're, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to make something authentic. So you're trying to find authentic yeah. people and you want to be specific. You're like, so we're looking for this kind of person. Or we're looking for this. And so, I mean, because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to make it, you know, you're trying to make it realistic. You're trying to find people that really match the description of a character, you know, on paper in a script and bring that to life. Um, and then you also, they got to be not just the looks. They also be able, be able to bring a scene. They got to be, you know, if it's a comedic role, do they have the comedic timing? If it's a dramatic role, can they, they have the bring the seriousness to it? Yeah. So you need that on, you need that on-screen presence. Mm. And um, so it's, you know, because you can have the baddest looking dude and, Sometimes they just don't got it, so it's just it, it's it's weird that way. You know, talented people they starve too. You know, it's not always just about talent either. So a lot of it's connections, casting directors. So it's just a it's a crapshoot. There's no way to make it. There's no book on it. There's no solid pathway. It's just many different crazy roads that lead to success, but there's no set pathway really. <laughs> it's really you know from you know a lot of things that you know people see or hear. You know, being an actor is one of the hardest jobs you could have because it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes in just just to getting jobs or getting found or just just getting I mean, somewhere. You know. Well, the funny thing is, like you know, they uh, like for instance, I had to I had like a like a four second part in Euphoria, this brand new season that just came out. Mm-hmm. So like second season, first episode, the first ten seconds, I'm in there, and you would think like, oh, it's some background job, you know, whatever you got it, but no, I the fact that 
they send it to my agent. Um, I remember getting, I was like, hey, where's the words in here? And it was like, no, they just want you to look left like you're following somebody and then you follow them. And then when they come back, you look to the left and you follow them to the right and you give them a nod. I go, that's the audition. There's no words. And they're like, yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I went and did the audition, but I did a full monologue in my audition and they actually gave me the part. But yeah, there was no real words. The guy had me say uh, uh, hello and tip my hat. And then they wound up using the take where I didn't say nothing. But, you know, you beat out like you have to imagine like there's, you know, hundreds of agencies that got the same listing to submit their their clients. So then there's like a thousand different people get submitted to it. Out of those thousand, the casting directors have their assistants that go through them. They pick probably out of the thousands, they probably pick maybe about maybe about 50 or 60 of them. And then the head casting director will go through that and maybe pick about 15 to 20. And then from those 15 to 20, they ask you to actually submit your video in. And out of those 15 to 20, they may be like five of them. And out of those five of them, they show the producers and the director and they'll pick one from the five. So like every role, even no matter how small it is, it's like, you know, win, winning a lottery ticket, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. But so that's why I tell people is like, you know, if you're want to be an actor because you want to be famous and rich and you know, you're waiting to make it big to be happy acting, then you're really not going to be happy. It's the process. If like me, I enjoy it. If I'm 80 years old, still going out for, you know, one liners, heaven forbid, that's horrible. But if I still am, that's still fine with me because it's the process and I enjoy acting. It's something that I've already made a choice that I want to do for the rest of my life. So, mm -hmm. I mean, even if you book a show and it's successful, it goes on for like six seasons and it's the next hot thing as an actor, when that's over, it's the second that, sh that it's done, they're going to ask you well, what's the next thing you're doing. So you're only good as a job you're currently working on in acting. So, it's never like this, okay, I'm done, I completed. Because even if you win an Oscar, you're like, well, I want to do something more. I want to win this. I want. So it's it's a continuum. So if you don't enjoy it while you're doing it, then you're never going to be happy doing it. So, Yeah, it's more of, you know, you're in it for the love of the game, not for the, the spoils yeah. of the glory. You know, Brian Cranston said the best thing with auditions. He's like, and I always remembered it there. He said that when you go in an audition, it's you have to look at it as, Somebody actually took the time to rent a room. They're your audience and they're actually watching you perform. Hmm. So even if you don't get the job, you still perform to somebody who spent money to watch you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool way to look at it. And, you know, that's why every audition I get, I like that. Or it, now during COVID, they make you produce your own tapes. So when I do my tapes and edit them, you know, I always take extra time and care and make it look good to where it's entertaining, you know, because I know someone's actually going to look at it. So, you know, it makes me happy. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's not really the same thing. I mean, you know, kind of. But, you know, anyone who knows me knows that you know, a huge, um, huge inspiration of mine is Michael Jordan. I, I've always loved Michael Jordan growing up. Yeah. Um, a lot of his quotes uh, get me through my day. Uh, there was one thing that I don't remember he said or someone said about him, but he was quoted at some point saying that he always went out no matter what game it was, and he always played his best, and he always tried to, to be the best he was because he knew there was somebody there who spent money to buy a ticket to come to the game who had never seen him play yeah. before, and that, that mattered to him. He had to be the best for those people who took the time to come spend the money to watch him play. 
and yeah it's 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 a similar analogy it's not really the same thing but it's yeah. the concept is but no you you someone yeah, took it, the time and the money to to, to watch you yeah and, and that's and that's a good way to look at it because like it's funny i was sitting around with my brothers and we're talking about you know the, the typical well if we won the if we won the hundred million dollars what would you do with it and um my brother looks at me and he's like i just realized that you'd probably be doing exactly what you're doing right now and i was like yeah at a higher level you know with the hundred million dollars i'd I'd have a couple more blends of my cigar. I'd yeah. probably have, you know, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd probably be traveling a lot more and I'd be able to produce my own films and, and, and do more stuff. But yeah, it's still literally just be acting in cigars. Cause that's what I want to do with my life. And I enjoy doing it. So now as we transition into the cigars, um, you started your own brand. Now, you know, when did you start the brand? So in 2019, um, I had a bunch of people on Instagram were like, why don't you do your own cigar? And I was like, who's going to buy a Mike G cigar? You know? <laughs> I feel like that's what a lot of people would say. Like, yeah. yeah, I was like, who's going to buy my cigar? You know, I was the biggest, you know, promoter of like Padron cigars. And, you know, and um, so I was like, well, if I'm going to make a cigar, I put my name on it. I want it to be good. So um, I actually, we, there was a, there was a cigar maker, a really good one. His name was, um, Alex Gonzalez, and uh, he did a he has a cigar label out there called AG Cigars, and it was up here now in, in California. Mi Havana Cigars, I believe, is the name of the, the house. They had sticks there, and I took one of his blends and changed the wrapper. I put a Habano 2000 on it as a Corona, and man, it was such a great cigar. But um, I bought them without bands, and I I bought like I bought like maybe a thousand of them. And I was like, as a tester to see if people would actually buy one of my sticks. So within like, within like three weeks, three and a half weeks, I completely sold out online through Instagram. So I thought, wow. okay, maybe there's something here. You know, a lot of people like my stick and that's about the same time I got a message from him and he was under the impression that I just took his cigar, his blend and just put my band on there. Like I stole his stick. And he thought that I didn't have no much permission. So <laughs> he, he was really upset. And I'm thinking, how does a guy from Cuba know what I'm even doing? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so so I, I told him, I, I told him uh, who I was talking with at Mi Havana Cigars and stuff, and that it was a different band or different rapper, and it was a different band. You know, I mean, they, it didn't even come with a band on there. So he called back and said, hey, you know, maybe we could uh, work together. I see you got a, a lot of promotions and stuff. And it was around that time that was, I was getting ready to go to PCA. And I said, yeah, 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 we'll talk more when I get back. Um, you know, he, he's the guy that he, – he's, he's the one that was famous for making uh, Michael Jordan's double Lanceros. So he'd do those long yes. skinny ones you see Jordan with. So yes. he, would, he would roll those for Jordan. And um, so I thought that was a cool factor to have somebody make my cigars a little claim the fame type of thing. But when I went to PCA, the, the only thing that got me is that he wanted to double band him. He'd have his band and then my band underneath. And I was like, man, I don't know. That's a lot of work to have to share. And as an actor, you don't, you know, we're a little greedy. We don't like to share, uh, you know, our, our thunder, so to speak. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so um, I went to PCA and um, I met a bunch of people. There's my first time ever being there. And that's when I met um, uh, Victor Calvo and his brother, uh, Guillermo. And Guillermo, he runs the plantation down there in Nicaragua. And, you know, he's hollering at me, Mike G, Mike G. And I had never met him before. And we start talking and he asked me, he's like, hey, who makes your cigars? And I go, 
well, no one right now. And I told him the story. He goes, well, we can make them for you. And I was like, well, you know, I've, I've called the, the factories before. You need like 20,000 stick minimum, you know, at five, $5 a stick plus bands plus boxes plus I don't have that type of money. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, listen, we'll work with you. He goes, you do a thousand sticks for the first run. It's not a problem. He goes, we'll take the time because I have a good feeling about you. You're going to be doing bigger things later. So, you know, he, they were, they treated, they brought me in like I was family. They hooked me up with the guys from Cigar Rings. I do the cigar bands. They gave me a, you know, hooked me up with them to design my band. Right. Uh, they helped me with, the, I went back and forth with their blenders to get, you know, my cigar exactly how, how I wanted it. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, every step of the way, they've just been nothing but supporting. And if it wasn't for them, just like uh, how Jay Leno gave me the shot Hollywood, if it wasn't for them really coming in, uh, Victor and his brother, uh, Guillermo, um, I, I wouldn't even have a line because there's no way of it's really hard to get into this game correctly to where you have your own blend that nobody else makes that you have your own you know, barcodes, you have your own own stuff where it's just not a generic house stick that you're buying that anybody else can buy. So, um, you know, I, I got to really give it to them for helping me get started in this game. So, you know, I, I really did luck out on that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, you, I think part of it too is when you, when you're trying to build something, you know, it, it's not just, you know, wanting to do it or, you know, it, it's, you show the effort, you show the passion, you, you show someone like, hey, like, I'm not just doing this because, like, I think it's cool. Like, I'm, I'm in this 110%. Yeah. You know, I want to do this. This is what else I can bring to the table with it. And, you know, when people see value in someone, they're like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's let's take a chance. And yeah. uh, and so, well, it, it's been it's been good for you. And I think that uh, yeah. you're just one of those people you can really, you know, <laughs> you show, well, you show, you know, you show that good energy. And people see that and they're like, all right, you know, this, this guy's really worth the time. And, and a lot of people, they don't realize that, you know, they just kind of go in for stuff without, you know, like, and they really, before. you know, they help me because you can have the energy and, you know, I have no doubt that people will try my stick because of me, but will they buy it again? Will they be repeat customers? And, you know, they were, and it sucks, you know, you never want to do anything that's sort of half-assed and they really helped me bring a quality cigar that um, people like and um, made it legit to where it's just not something that's, garbage <laughs> yeah no absolutely especially and, and, you know and, and you ask any of the the big brand manufacturers in the industry you know they, they put yeah the, the thing they say the most is you know our name is on the band so yeah we're, it doesn't matter if you're a big brand or a small brand your name's on the band it's the same mentality for everybody it's my name's on it it's got to be the best it can be i don't want my name on something that's trash because it's a reflection yeah. of me so of course yeah. you give it everything you got and um and, and you put a lot of time and effort into it, and that's and, and that and ultimately that's what makes it pay off is, is the time, the energy, the, yeah. the sweat equity, um, yeah. <laughs> the money equity, like it, all of yeah. it. it. It's um, so you have so currently. So what do you have in your lineup right now? So right now we just have the one stick. COVID really put it back, um, threw us back. I mean, we should have been already on our third blend by now, but between COVID, uh, stopping our bar. And stopping me from traveling to Nicaragua, we're sort of a little bit behind. But this year, we're back on course with everything. We just opened up uh, my spot called the uh, the Firm. It's in downtown LA at the Western Bonaventure Hotel. It's a full, complete Scotch bar. Um, we have a full smoking patio. Um, I lucked out. My buddy uh, Charles Liu, he was the main partner there, and he brought his lawyer buddies, and they were going to have this whole 
private members scotch bar in the hotel because Western Bonaventure is where they do a lot of the trainings for lawyers. Mm-hmm. So they wanted like this key access scotch locker VIP, uh, nothing but like McAllen top high end shelf uh, boozer. And, uh, you know, we got McAllen 30, we got McAllen M, McAllen Reflection, McAllen number six up, up with all the other McAllen. We had the full complete line over there. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. We have a great bartender who's a mixologist there, and it's really beautiful the way they've decked it out. But I bought in at a, at a small percentage to have the right to come in there with the cigars, and I take 100% of all the cigar sales for myself. So it's sort of like having a lounge, but also taking money from the bar too. So it's a really sweet deal that you know my buddy hooked me up with. That's just an opportunity that came up that I couldn't let you know slip by. So. So you got acting going on. You got a cigar brand. You got a bar. I no. mean, you you're just you're all over the place, man. And in a good way. <laughs> no, but in a good way. I mean, you got a lot of different irons in the fire. This is it's yeah know, really. I mean, and they go. I tell people they go hand in hand because you know we get the cigars going and we got a bar going, um, and the acting stuff. So if either one of these takes off, one helps the other. Especially if the acting takes off. Let's say I become the next. Uh, I don't know. George Lopez or let's say Latino George Burns, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm always smoking cigars in, in the roles that I get. Um, if I if I become at that level, then it's great because then people are going to, if I go to my bar, they're going to come to my bar and want to smoke cigars with me and buy my cigars. So it helps marketing-wise that it's all synergy. They all work off each other. So that's that's what I really like about doing both the acting and the cigars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's, a, it, it's a great mix to be in. Um, yeah. I want to pause for a moment. I want to do our news segment before I uh, before I get too too far ahead of myself here. Now, Carney, did the, so the news is La Folla Dominicana related tonight, and Carney actually could not be here. He had to cancel last minute because uh, he had some stuff come up. But our cigar news is once again brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. If you head over to McAuliffeCigars.com today and sign up to become an official McAuliffe ambassador, where you get your uh, ambassador number and coin. And while you're at it, head over to Facebook and join the McAuliffe Ambassadors Facebook group where you can hang out and socialize and meet up with all of your fellow ambassadors as well as catch all the things that McAuliffe has going on. Um, some interesting news came to the industry this week. Uh, La Flor Dominicana has announced that they will be the second cigar brand after um, United Cigar did this with Atabay last year that they were going to be releasing an NFT project for the Andalusian Bull. <laughs> so this is interesting. The NFT thing is something new. It's uh, A lot of people still don't know what it is or what an NFT is, and then you tell them and they still don't know. Um, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> that's yes. kind of been the joke. Um, but last year, United Cigar was the first one to really do this with a with a cigar on the market. Uh, they created an NFT for the Atabay Black Ritos, which is supposed to be yeah. a – a different version on the the black version of the Atabay, as they call it, um, the the black Ritos, and so what they're doing is they are going to be auctioning off. I think there's seven of these. I was talking to John about this earlier. There's going to be seven of these, and they're going to auction them off, and that will come with, um, I believe it was seventy of the Golden Bull cigar to whoever wins. Whoever wins yeah. the the auction on each NFT. Uh, they'll get 70 of these golden bulls, and then they'll have the option. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it's every month. I think it's every month. Um, they'll have the option to buy up to 70 more um, from LFD 
uh, exclusively, and uh, it's it's only available to the people who own that NFT. So so hold on, they they uh, so they get sorry to interrupt, but no, no. So if you buy if you buy the NFT, it's like a ticket to you can refill your seventy every month for like for uh, in perpetuity for life. I believe so. As long as he said, as long as the floor Dominicana is in business. Now, if you buy that NFT, can you sell the NFT and they have the rights to buy the uh, 70 cigars? Because that's actually real value. This is the first time I've seen an NFT actually be worth something. You know, that's actually really cool. Yeah. That's a I, great way to do this. Yeah. I am going to – I. that's a great question, and I actually did not ask him that. But I would assume if you could sell it officially and transfer the ownership of that license, then yes. I believe whoever yeah. whoever is in position – uh, or possession or ownership of it um, has that option. Um, so it'll be a different it'll be a different size on the Andalusiable. It's going to be a, a six and a quarter by forty two Lonsdale that uses the Andalusian bull blend. Um, the blend uses an Ecuadorian Corojo wrapper over Dominican binder and Dominican filler that are grown at Estancia La Flor de Palma, the the farm shared by La Flor Dominicana and Tabacalera Palma. Um, so these are going to be very exclusive. So think about it this way. A retailer, right? A retailer gets in on this. They own one of the NFTs. They have the option to buy 70 of them, right? And sell them for the store. Oh, that's actually really cool then. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, or is it, what is it? No, seven boxes? I don't know. 70 a month, right? I think, yeah, 70. Yes, it's up to 70 of the Golden Bull per month as long as they own the NFT. Should they choose to sell it, the rights to the cigars are transferred to the new owner, meaning that the only seven people in the world will be will have the ability to buy the golden bull. Now it's interesting. So if you're a retailer and you buy one of these, right? Uh, you could be one of only seven retailer people, well, people in the world, but granted, let's say not everybody who's a retailer owns it, right? Let's say only two yeah. retailers buy it. Maybe you're the only retailer. You're the only retailer who has access to buy those cigars and then resell them. So now you have this tap market where you're like, "All right, well, I'm the only game in town here or you can buy these from me." So um, very, like you said, three and a half boxes a month. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on what you get this for, right. And let's say you're selling these boxes that you get every month or you, you know, you, you have the supply and then whatever you sell them for, um, you can actually make your money back and then be making money off of it later. I might want that for my bar. That's actually pretty cool. So question, question though, are you, are they, he's going to sell them to, as uh, as the cigars to people as a retail store, or if you're a retail store, will he sell them to you as a distributor? That way, you can show you proof of taxes, so you can sell it as a retail store. That is an interesting question. I don't think I have that information um, on on actual specifics on that. Let me see. I don't know if I have that. Uh... It's a good question. I'm asking, I'm, you legal, I'm asking you legal questions. Sorry, man. <laughs> well, I, I have, I have all. I the have point all the is, the point is, there's NFT Elysian Bulls gold coming out. There's only oh, yeah. a few of them to get three and a half boxes worth at seventy six a month. That's pretty cool. I, you know, as opposed to like these other things, like these uh, Giga Cats, where like, what'd you buy? Oh, I spent a hundred thousand dollars on a cat. And well, that's it. It's a JPEG just, image of a cat, but I own the just rights. Artwork. Yeah. Great. This actually puts value to it. You know, did they do that? Did Atabe do that with theirs? I don't I think they had a. I don't. They didn't come with. It was just the digital version of the cigars, from what I read. I yes. could be wrong. I think it was just. A, I. I. If. If I remember correctly, I think they said if. If it's something that they actually came out with, they would have the first crack at them. 
but I think as of right now, it's just an artwork. Yeah. Uh, this is which is which is weird because I don't see how why people like like for instance the Super Bowl came out they had this gold holographic Super Bowl ticket you could buy people were spending like five thousand bucks for it for these tickets there were NFT Super Bowl tickets but it was just a hologram it, did, it, it didn't get you in ticket. the game though it didn't get you in <laughs> yeah you no know, for five thousand you could actually go buy a real ticket to go see the real game so uh, yeah I thought it was a, some of these I don't I don't understand you know maybe. You know, there's somebody out there explaining I'm just an idiot. But I that part I never understood if there's no physical or perks to owning the NFT other than saying I own the NFT. Yeah, you know? and, the, so. and the other thing is, too, so so for uh, I can't remember which ones. John and I are still kind of putting this together. I, I think I can say this, but hopefully ho I, I'm pretty sure I can. So John and I have been talking about this. So we're actually going to be doing um, a couple of uh, special broadcasts with LFD. Um, with John and uh, potentially some of the Gomez family members, uh, where we're going to do a live broadcast during the auction process, uh, live on the air oh, as cool. it happens. Um, so there's, it's we're still putting that together, and I, I can't really say too much on it, but that's something we're working on. So that's something to, to keep an eye on and look forward to uh, in the future. So we'll be uh, definitely helping them get more engaged with this uh, as it's yeah. going on too. So for anyone who's interested in that, uh, maybe you won't be bidding, but you're really curious about it. Uh, keep an eye out. We're going to be bringing some of that action to you live on the air as it happens. Um, and more information on that will uh, be available uh, when the time comes. There is, as far as I know from my understanding, my conversation with John, I don't think there is an official auction date for that yet. It's, they've kind of announced oh. it, but they haven't really announced when this is going to be uh, going out. So it'll be this year, I believe, sometime. Um, but the final date and time and all that hasn't been finalized. So... Um, keep an eye out for that. When we have that information, we will definitely share it with you. So, uh, so you're saying I have time? I have time to put together a super pack, put yeah. 70 people together, and we all combine our money to buy one. That way, every month we get one stick for life. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this this thing, or maybe be... four, or maybe 14 people. That way, we get five sticks every month. Well, the, well, the interesting <laughs> thing about it too, right, is you know, pull our money together. Well, like you know, you, there's going to be some dude in in, in, in Dubai that's going to be bidding a whole crap load of money on this. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, you bring a good point. Like, it actually has like a value, at, like you know, past the NFT. Like, there's something that comes with this that's tangible forever, in a sense, almost. Yeah. Uh, so really, these things could sell for a shit ton of money, because if you own this. You have the exclusive rights to 70 boxes a month, right? Yeah. Forever. And those cigars could something. be worth whatever because yeah. there's only so many the of them. You can't can buy them anywhere. People. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, didn't put, did put Drone do something like this with their white humidor? You can only refill it five times. If you bought that big 50th anniversary white humidor, they, you could, the only way you could get the sticks is if you bought the humidor and then you could get refills if you own it. So I don't know if it's limited on how many times you could do it, but yes. So if you bought the yeah. humidor, it came with a like a um, like a title almost, Certif like a cer certificate. certificate. And you yeah. had to have that certificate in order to buy the box refills. It came with an FT, not an NFT. It came with just a fungible, actual token. fungible, token. <laughs> <A> tangible <laughs> token. <laughs> came with a tangible token. <laughs> it came with a tangible token. It did. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> but that's true. That's true. It was. Um, it, it it did come with that, and that's the only way you can buy the refills. Um, interesting enough, since we're talking about Adave, that humidor was designed by Nelson Alfonso. 
the man mm. behind Atabay and Byron. So, uh, as well as a lot of the the packaging designs for Habano, such as um, some of the Edición Limitada boxes and the Cohiba Bahique. So, um, really, really cool stuff. That, and that humidor, if you haven't seen it, which Mike, I, I assume you've seen it in person. Yeah. It's it's fucking awesome. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I think that thing holds like a hundred cigars or something like that too. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, really With cool. Two humor. rows of fifty. So. It's a it's a fungible token. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is cool. This this but this could be a game changer. This is something that could you could see more brands. You could see someone like Davidoff be like, oh shit, okay, this is where we're at. Okay, yeah. and, and Matt, or even Padron or some another. Maybe this is some I, I I got to get into because I'm coming out with. Uh, um, another line of, uh, you know, I wanted to do something with pinup models on the cigar bands, but I felt that this played out a lot. Mm. So um, my friend Anna, you know, Chase Fire, yep. uh, her daughter is really into, uh, she's only like 14 years old and she's really into anime and that manga and the comic book stuff. So yep. I actually hired her to draw me like sexy girls for my cigars coming out. I'm coming out with them. Uh, in a couple months, you'll see me promoting the hell out of them online. So there's an exclusive. But, yeah, I have three sticks coming out. I have uh, Madeline Maduro. I have uh, Hannah Habano. And I have um, Connie Connecticut. And three, they're three different, like, sexy girls that come, you know, with the band. They're cut out there. And um, I'm going to have a lady over. Her name's Lupa. She does a lot of hand-rolling cigars for events and stuff. And she's going to be doing the cigars for me. So I'll have more news you know, a little press release of that coming out later, but maybe that, maybe we have a NFT version of that. Maybe we come out with a special character, you know, do like a barber pole and call it Barbara pole, you know, and some sexy chick on a pole. You know? So I don't know. Like a stripper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Barbara pole. <laughs> barber pole. See, that's cool though. I like that. It's, it's, it's a really yeah, good play so, on words. <laughs> yeah. So we might, so, you know, I was coming out with those because, with our lounge, I wanted to do something special, a little bit different, and uh, you know, something fun. So, um, yeah, maybe the, this um, might be something good. Yeah. Are you going to be at a PCA this year? Yeah, I'll be there. Are you exhibiting? No, I'll just be there drunk. <laughs> just taking it in. Mickey oh, Peg will be year, there too. Yeah, yeah. Be drunk. I, th- <laughs> I think next year. Um, I'll, I'll probably be there presenting because we're getting a I'm getting my distributor's license this year, and uh, we're going to start hitting up all of Southern California with all the shops and start putting my my uh, cigars in there. So I'll probably do that this year, and then next year at PC after I have a year of building up, you know, um, different uh, clients down here, then I'll probably go national with it and see who wants to, who wants to pick me up um, outside of California. So. So right now your cigars are... And by then I should have... Yeah, because I'm waiting to get my three other lines. So if I can have my Super Connecticut, Super Maduro, and Super Habano completed, then I don't mind going into shops and asking them to carry my line. But right now with one stick, it's more just like, you know, that's just my personal blend, my stick. I like selling it online and I sell it in my shop, so... And so I have a few few lounges that carry it too, but I'm not really pushing it outside of just if I sell it directly myself to people. So, right. Yeah, no, it, it's exciting. You know, I, I wanted to have the cigars with me, um, to, to smoke them with you. I, uh, but unfortunately 
I, You'll be there tomorrow. I, I forgot I, I about it, up. and then I, I messed out up. You. <laughs> <laughs> and they they're coming I tomorrow. Up. I had them in my truck, and we just had her. You know, we just did our open, our soft opening last week. So I was running around doing that, getting ready for that, and I totally spaced, it, and I didn't send them out until Monday. So I was like, ah, I don't think it's gonna make it. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I'll still try them. I'm excited for them. Um, yeah. I've heard a lot of good things from the from the people who I know who have smoked them. And from you, obviously. Um, if you the, want the best the best experience with them, late morning with some coffee. That's really going to hit the spot. That's why I really designed them for. You know, they're good with – they pair with other good – with alcohol. But uh, the, this Connecticut's a little bit more – has a little bit more of a punch, a little bit more spice to it, just for the simple fact that when I drink my lattes in the morning or cappuccinos, the milk drowns out the flavor of most cigars, especially mm. something so light. Right. So this really enhances it with the nuttiness and the creaminess to go with your cut with your uh, latte or cappuccinos in the morning. Just it really just hits. So you know it's, it's interesting you bring that up. So last week we had Michael Capellini on here from Toscano, and we did a pairing episode. We did uh, two different Toscano cigars with two different cocktails. The first one uh, was the Godfather drink, which is uh, bourbon and amaretto. The second one was a classic yeah. Negroni. Now, um. The my favorite of the two was the Godfather drink. Uh, I'm not huge on Negronis. I I enjoy some of them, um, but my bourbon is more of my my palate. So, uh, yeah. but it was a really interesting experience, and I recommend it to anyone who who didn't catch that episode. It was really cool because you know Michael walked us through like different smoke, sip, then smoke, and then sip, smoke, then sip again, and then we went through a whole smoking out of the glass. It was like. Like taking a lot of smoke and then fill the glass and cover it, stir it around, and then just let it kind of and and sip it. And I was like, "Dude, wow, that's amazing! Um, it really interesting stuff." And we're gonna do it again yeah. with him and uh, do more of a coffee-focused episode um, with with more co- with coffee cigar pairings uh, sometime this year. We have to uh, finish planning that, but definitely interesting. It's something uh, yeah. really changed my cigar smoking experience. I'm like, "Wow, I keep, I'm just gonna do this all the time now. This is awesome." <laughs> it's uh, so it's, it's definitely check out uh, check out last week's episode. Whether you're on the podcast yeah. networks or you're on Facebook, YouTube, on our YouTube channel, you can find it. Um, so yeah, no, it's pretty funny you bring that up. I I wish that I smoked cigars with coffee more in the morning. The fact of the matter is, during the week, I just have no time, and yeah. on the weekend, it's hit or miss. Sometimes, like I remember to, or like I'm around and I have downtime and I'm not running around. That's, uh, so, I, that's why I would say I say late morning because usually like on a I would I don't work Fridays or Saturdays so I wake up a little bit later I eat breakfast you're looking about eleven o'clock that's when you light up something a little bit light make your coffee after breakfast and man it's just heaven on earth <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah I I hear you and it, and when I do have time to do it it is a great experience so I definitely will I, I'm definitely gonna try that with uh, some of your cigars so. Before we wrap up the show, we have one more segment to hit. It's our classic top three segment. <sighs> I'm going to butcher it. I already forgot it again. There's a flow oh. to this. There's a flow to this. There's... Shit's going down Did over it. there, Mike G. Oh, just, you know, people getting shot. <laughs> By the way, I'm, doing, I'm over here uh, doing it at my good friend Larry's shop over here. It's called Cigar Time over here and, um, on uh, Pioneer Street over here in Bellflower. It's such a great space. There's like some antique clocks. I don't know if you can see everything. We're in Cerritos right there, right next to uh, wow. Long Beach. But it's a beautiful spot over here. He has all these 
antique stuff in here. Is that a 724 sign back there too? Yeah. Shout I mean, out Kirk Kendall. I mean, it's it's such a it's such a cool spot to come and smoke and unlike other places they yell at you for putting your feet up on their chairs or you might not want to say certain things here's just the old school classic cigar lounge you come here you can smoke you can bullshit you just be a, you can be a dude you know and it's it's really nice that's why I chose to do my uh, interview here cuz no one's going to say shit <laughs> yeah they'll leave you alone yeah well it is time for the top 3 watch the smoking tobacco show eat your vegetables take your vitamins and smoke room 101 uh, from the man. Well, one the more, myth. one more time. Let's do that. <laughs> Watch the Smoke and Tobacco Show. Eat your vegetables. Take your vitamins. Smoke Room One Hundred and One. Uh, that was nice. that was created by Matt, and uh, it yeah, was, yeah, it was done he's a wordsmith. It was our TPE interview, and I said I'm going to steal that for the segment because it just it works. <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> you, you want me to tell you my favorite Matt Booth story? <laughs> oh, I, I have to hear this. Everyone's got one. You know, that's the oh, thing. Man. He, he, oh, look, look, he's a cool guy. And, and when I first met him, I'm like, yeah, that's a cool guy. I, I'd love to be somebody like that. He walks into a room and he has that, that immediate presence, like somebody's there. Right. And, you know, I met him. He's super friendly. He's the nicest guy ever. But um, <laughs> so I met, I, I met him in, in I think it's TPE. And, um, not this one, but the the one before, <laughs> the one right after COVID, and I, I had the pleasure of meeting him, talked to him for a little bit, and that following Fourth of July weekend, I happened to be in Arizona, and I was over um, at Embargo Cigars. Oh yeah, and he's he's really good friends with the owner there, and he happened to be on a on a layover, so I guess they picked him up. So I come out of nowhere because I'm on my way to a barbecue with some friends. And uh, one of the employees, their chicken, shout out to chicken. Uh, he told me, come by. And I said, look, I'm going to come and smoke with you on Saturday. But Friday, I'm going to pop in, grab some sticks and walk out. But I'll spend time with you the following day. So I walk in there. I got people waiting for me. Open the door. I'm going And I see, I see him and Abe uh, sitting down. And they look at me. I look at them like, oh, shit. Hey, it's Mike G. What's up, Mike G? They're like, oh, shit. They remembered me. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm sort of like, you know, a little starstruck. I'm like, cool. Matt Booth remembered who I was. So I go in there, grab my sticks, and you know, trying to be a cool guy. You know, hey, you guys have, you guys take care. As I'm walking out, Matt Booth stands up. He's like, hey, hey, before you leave, hey, let let me get a photo with you. I'm like, oh shit, Matt Booth wants a photo with me. Mm. Hell yeah! So I go over there, pose one, get my photo. That's when you know you made it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, he wants a photo with me. So I leave, and as I'm driving away, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the cool guy thing. I'm going to hit him up on my phone. I go, hey, really cool really cool meeting you. Hope you have a safe flight. You know, simple. I'm a cool guy. You know, I'm, I'm like him. Hey, I'm cool. Well, he out cool guy. Oh, <laughs> so he sends, me the, he sends me the photo. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'll post it. I tag him. Put it in there. And then I see him. The next thing is like, oh, well, Room 101 posted the photo, not his personal page. No biggie. Still pretty cool. And then he posted it like, I'm the fanboy that I saw him, that I asked for the photo, that posted up on his cigar page. <laughs> I was like, well, no big deal. I looked to message him. He still doesn't follow me. <laughs> you know, he, <clears throat> I have gotten, I've already gotten to know him pretty well. And it was, it was yeah. up until like earlier this year when I, I was, I was say, on the, I'm not, I'm not big enough yet. 
but I will be. <laughs> I was on the phone with him. And I was like, Maddie, you know, you, we're still not friends on Facebook. And he was like, but we're friends. What, what does it matter? I'm like, yeah, what yeah but you don't understand. Like, well, see, you can't say that because then you're a nerd <laughs> if you go, hey, well, you don't follow me on, online. But he's like, yeah, we're friends in real life. Why don't you follow you? You can't do that. That's a chick move, you know? So you can't say it and you can't call him out on it because then you're a dork and that's not a cool guy move. So, well, for me, I was just like, I was, well, we have stuff we were doing with him. So I was like, just, you know, I can't tag you in anything and promote stuff because we're not friends. And he was like, oh, no. He's like, let me do this right now. And he's on his computer. He's like, how do I do this? And I'm like, really? And he's like, oh, never mind. I found it. <laughs> No, he's like, no, you're happy? No. I'm like, well, yeah, because yeah. now I can tag. We can do promotions. Like, I could. He's like, ah, okay. Man. All right. Well, well, it doesn't bother me because when he does follow me, then it'll mean more because I didn't have to say anything. Although I, I fucking spilled the beans on the show saying anything, but I just thought it's humorous. The first I got time out, he, I got out cooled guy by him. The first time he texted me, like. Like when I had his number and I was like, all right, well, shoot me a text. We'll, we'll go. He, he didn't do it right away. He did it like later on at like a weird time. Like, I don't know. It was like one in the afternoon in the middle of the work day. And I get this text message and it's a, it's a photoshopped photo of like, I'm trying to remember what it was. I have it somewhere. It was like an old historical photo of something from like, I don't know, like the thirties. And I'm like, looking, at it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I didn't notice it right away. And I, but like in the back behind, it was like, there was like four guys lined up, whatever, like an old like photo. And in the back, like photoshopped, like is his face next to like s someone else. And I'm like, is that Matt? And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, who is this? I thought it was someone like that knew him or, you know, whatever. Like, I didn't put two and two together. And then I get another photo and it's him like sitting in an egg chair with a cat, like an evil villain. And his face is like fa like photoshopped onto this other thing, and I'm like, I'm like Booth, is this you? And he was like, you know who it is, or some shit. Like and I'm like, yeah, now now I definitely know who it is. And then he just kept sending those to me, and I was all I had all these weird photoshopped photos of his face, like on, and I'm like, really? And he just kept sending them, and I was like, you don't post them up. <laughs> I will one of these days. I have, they're in my phone somewhere. And I was just like, really? Yeah, you, 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 what you do is you print them up, and then you, you sell it as a Matt Booth exclusive coffee table book. And I kept trying to talk Matt, to him about Matt something serious. World. And then I'd ask him a question, and he responded to the photo. I'm like, all right, come on. Like, I need, I need to know this. <laughs> uh, see, that's why, he's, that's why he's Matt Booth, man. He's, he's a super cool guy. And, you know, I, I wish to have a fraction of the career he's had doing his stuff. And, you know, he's from L.A., and. You know he does cool jewelry and stuff, so yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's one of the guys I definitely like to follow and want to emulate. You know, maybe not as cool because I'm never going to be that cool, but you know, <laughs> no one will ever be that cool. Don't feel bad. Uh, well, we we still got to get to this. I, we, we spent all this time talking about Matt, uh, oh. which, which was happened. I forgot we didn't even do it yet. So top three. So so you know, since well, you're you got to go back to his promo, buy Room 101 cigars. <laughs> that's right, buy Room 101. Um, so you're an actor. You know, I try to think of these and I try to I try to make them specific to the people who are on the show. Um, if there's three actors, it could be anybody. Uh, they could be dead or alive. You know, we're playing the hypothetical game, right? Three actors yeah. that, you know, you could you could start a movie with. Like if your dream, comes, hey, we're going to put you in a movie with De Niro, whatever. You're, you and him, you guys are the lead. Whoever it is, if you had three actors, who, who, who would you want to do those projects with? 
Um, it'd be probably the same actors I'd want to smoke a cigar with. Okay. That's going to be uh, Eastwood, Charlton Heston, and Schwarzenegger. It's a good choices right there, especially Eastwood. I'm a huge Eastwood fan. Okay. Yeah, those three are my favorite actors. I mean, granted, Arnold's not the best actor, but you got somebody that came to this country as an immigrant with like 20 bucks in his pocket and become like one of the biggest actors, you know, commanding. I think he was the first one to ever hit the $30 million mark. Both you know, physically for a movie. and in fame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, between him and then Eastwood with his, you know, I've read the, all their biographies and stuff, and Eastwood going from actor to, you know, taking what people don't give most credit for is that he, instead of just being, you know, the dude from Rawhide and doing these spaghetti westerns, he took control of his career. He, he went part of the studio producing and making his own films. And at that time, not a lot of people were doing that. You know, he, this was before, you know, like Mel Gibson and like Ron Howard and these guys were doing stuff. He went in there and just took control and said, this is how I want to portray myself. This is the type of movies I want to make and just created his own brand, you know, and, and Charlton Heston, I mean, you know, what, what more can I say? That dude's an icon, you know? So, I mean, those three guys, I can only imagine the stories that they would have, you know? So, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with at Eastwood, too. I mean, it's funny. Um, you've seen Entourage, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that show. There's a scene. Well, it's a great show. The, I think it was like the second season when, when they're trying to get Vince to do the Aquaman movie, and he's meeting with Warner Brothers, and they're like, you know, Clint Eastwood's part of the studio, right? He's like, we give him $80 million now. He does whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> not too far from the truth man yeah <laughs> like i, I want to make a movie about this go ahead the money all right cool <laughs> yeah that, like that's when you've made it <laughs> just do whatever you want um when you're just bankable like that he's guaranteed man just like schwarzenegger any film he you know at the time in his heyday if he was in the film that's guaranteed 20 million dollars profit Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what you put him in. It's like you're going to make your money back. He was already worth that before the movie is even made. Right. So, I mean, that's just, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know and, and good old Chuck Heston. I mean, he was one of the first. Uh, he was a president of the Screen Actors Guild and did a lot of stuff for actors that still are in place today to help protect us and stuff. And, you know, he the, a lot of times, you know, he, you know, coming from stage and theater was one of the pioneers of making film great you know as instead of just being a gimmick at the time you know john wayne was another one you know if you if you had four people he would be the fourth one i'd want to have you know be part of that circle so john wayne yeah another good mm-hmm. actor yeah, mm-hmm. yeah um you know what while we're here fuck it let's do this so all right what are your top three favorite movies Ooh. <laughs> as an actor and as a movie buff you're gonna laugh but my favorite movie is uh predator <laughs> okay no okay. matter no matter if it's on TV or someone's playing it, I, I will sit and watch the whole thing. I love it that much. It's just uh, it, ha- it has everything that even nowadays I was, I was uh, talking to my friends about it. And that back then you had without even trying to be what most movies are now woke where they're forcing agendas and forcing stuff. And you had a movie that was multiracial. You had a strong female character lead. And it was, uh, you know, it, it showed camaraderie and brotherhood. And it was action film, sci-fi, had comedy. It really touched everything. Even though it was a little campy and corny, it's like an 18s action flick, it still covered everything that they're trying to do today unsuccessfully. You know, and uh, yeah. it, it's just one of those great, you know, films that I, I just love watching. Uh, second one, probably Unforgiven. 
probably my second favorite one, and then probably um, hard on my two favorites, Unforgiven and uh, and uh, Predator, probably. So, and then there's a bunch of other ones. Yeah, there's a bunch of other, but those are probably the two that stand out the most. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it. it there's really no wrong answer, and there's no stupid answer. It, it's based uh-huh. on you know what what makes you. you know, yeah, I love westerns, man. Yeah, I really love westerns. Um, one of my favorite series that still holds up is the original uh, Have Gun, Will Travel. I'd love for them to remake that and bring that back. You know, maybe a little bit more edgier, more raw, but I mean, the story still holds up. A lot of the episodes were written by Gene Roddenberry um, from Star Trek. So, I mean, you watch the shows back then, the same thing. You know, they had real Italians in there. They had African-Americans in there. They had Asians in there. Back when even Asians weren't cool, they were still, you know, a little prejudice back then from world war ii and stuff but they had a multicultural cast without saying hey we're multicultural it the story sold it you didn't focus on that it was just in there naturally the way i I think is the best way to do any of this stuff is that you don't have to have a certain character be their type just be a regular character that happens to be whatever their type is so Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i mean i'm a huge movie guy myself a lot of people they like to poke fun at me because I'm I'm really good. Um, one thing that people, unless you're really close to me, you probably won't know, um, is I'm I know a lot of movies. I'm really good at trivia. I know a lot of things, but especially when it comes to like pop culture stuff, like movies, TV shows, music, uh, I can pull quotes from movies just out of the top of my head, and I can say them, and people will be like, "How do you know that?" And it, I I could I could I could read I could I could recant the whole scene, not just like the one line. Like I could do the whole scene. Yeah. And people will be like, how do you remember that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just do. Um, That's so like, like me with, uh, with blood and blood out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just, or uh, I should say my, all my, me and my cousins will just the whole night just be spitting off lines from the movie. <laughs> so like, I guess that, hold on. That would be probably number three as a Latino. I have to give props to blood and blood out first mainstream movie. That was with Latino gangster guys and me playing a gangster in a lot of films. That was, you know, more so than American me, more so than Boulevard nights. More so than most of the stuff, it was like our boys in the hood was like an uh, influence, blood and blood out. Yeah, as an actor that, that you have. Yeah, and, and, and see, and I live in East LA now, which is funny because when I grew up in Oregon, all I knew about LA was pretty much from Blood and Blood Out. And then when I moved there to East LA, I was like, oh shit, I'm living on the set. There's the pine tree, there's the cemetery, there's the taco shop, there's the Virgin Mary. It's, it's all yeah. in my neighborhood. <laughs> like now, I'm living it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Popeye. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of fun here tonight, Mike. Uh, unfortunately, all good things have to come to an end soon. Um, I want to thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for uh, for your time and, and talking about you know yourself and your brand and, and your and your history. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime you want to come back, you're always welcome. Uh, before we go, I just want to highlight. I want to remind everybody that the uh, the fundraiser is still active. We are. I just looked. I think we're at 19 days to go. Um, we had 19 days to go. We uh, for the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, our fundraiser. Uh, we're selling raffle tickets for some amazing prizes. There's a lot of them. I'm not going to list them all, um, but if you head over to our social media and our, our smokingtobacco.com, you can find the link there. You can go over there. You can check out the prizes. What's in there? What's up for grabs? Uh, there's stuff from Arturo Fuente, J.C. Newman, McAuliffe Cigars, La Flor Dominicana. There's some stuff from uh, Cigar Coop, Jay Davis. Um, 
Hiram Solomon, Drew Estate, Tatuaje, Room 101, uh, all of those guys graciously, you know, they donated some prizes for us to raffle off for this uh, Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. Amazing foundation. That money goes so far. It helps these kids. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing fundraiser and cause. Uh, so don't forget to head over there, buy your raffle tickets, donate to an amazing cause. Uh, we will be pulling the winners live on the air on yeah. May 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, and then everyone will get notified and, and whatnot. And uh, there might there's, there's, there might be some more prizes to come. Um, there might be some more Fuente stuff coming too. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll have more information on that maybe next week. So keep an eye out for that. It's still running. You still got time. A couple more weeks. And then it's done. We are just about five grand that we've raised already. So really want to thank everyone who's already donated and bought their raffle tickets. We, we really appreciate it. Um, and that's it, really. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Head over to SmokeyTobacco.com for more information. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Follow follow at Hollywood Mike G on Instagram. Oh, that's right. And follow and all the other Mike social G. media. Be sure to check out our, our bar, The Firm. It's located downtown LA at the Western Bonaventure Hotel. And uh, if you want to try a Mike G Super Connecticut, that's available at MikeGCigars.com. Or you can just follow everything, all the information at Hollywood Mike G on Instagram. That's right. And keep an eye out and keep an eye out for Mike and some of your uh, in your in your travels when you're watching movies and shows on TV. You just might see him pop up. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> well, that's going to do it this week for the Spooky Backer Show. Mike, don't go anywhere and we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. <laughs>